0: You might remember from a few months ago, Bill Baker was on here talking about physical metaphors and therapeutic purposes, like climbing up a high telephone pole, standing at the top and jumping for a trapeze, that sort of stuff. He did that for years. He also was one of the highest paid executive coaches for the Tony Robbins companies until the end of the year. He just retired. So now I'm going to try to pry loose some of those secrets that he couldn't talk about when he was still employed by the Tony Robbins Company, so we'll see what we can get on today's episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Bill Baker. Nice to see you again. Well, thank you, Doug. Good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been amazing, because we haven't seen each other for like 45 years or something. (laughs) I'm exaggerating, but... It's nice to see you again. It's only been a couple months since I saw you last.
1: It it's it is nice. It is nice to reconnect with you, Doug. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So if people are just tuning in and haven't heard the first part of our interview, um just to recap a bit, you used to work for Tony Robbins as both a coach, but also you were the guy that put on those amazing physical metaphor experiences, the pamper pole, as I called it, I think the power poles it became later, where you'd climb up to the top of a 40 foot 50 foot maybe 60 foot telephone bowl at some point and 50, um, 50 and then jump yeah. off to catch a trapeze and that sort of stuff one of my favorite uh activities at the certification courses that we did but um you did it for years away beyond just the certification and that's what we talked a lot about and how you came to be doing that through you know the idea of physical metaphors and Milton Erickson and the idea of you know therapeutic task assignments kind of stuff that Erickson would do and then right. we also talked a little bit about the the coaching experience as you were a executive coach for Tony Robbins' his workshops as well to his work, his no, his, uh, his organization. Right. So I want to know more about the coaching. So that's why I've asked you back. You are the first person, Bill Baker, first person who's ever been on this twice.
1: Oh my god, I am so privileged. <laughs>
0: That sounded very sincere, Bill. Thank you. Well, I am. I am, I am truly honored, Doug. <laughs> well, that sounded sincere, too. <laughs> okay. Bite me. How about that? Does that sound sincere? <laughs> yeah. That did. That did. Okay. Working on your delivery. I like it. <laughs> As our mutual friend, Tony Robbins, once said, you know, sincerity is the secret to success. And once you can fake that, you've got it made. That's awesome. why. It was a joke, and yeah. So, Bill. Yes. Tell me about coaching. Whoa. I mean,
1: (laughs) tell me about life, you know? Uh,
0: Let's narrow the question down a little bit. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, Okay. so um, um, last time I saw you in person, um, well, that's not necessarily true, but last time I saw you at a Robbins event, um, Tony was teaching neuroassociative conditioning, and uh, and you were there to help people have experiences that were meaningful to them. Um, and somewhere around then, uh, when I saw you last, maybe 2000 or something like that, he started doing a coaching service that there was Robbins, I don't know what it was called exactly, but Tony Robbins Coaching.
1: That, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. Tony yeah. Robbins Coaching
0: Service. Okay. And um, so people could could actually have a one-on-one experience with someone such as yourself who was a certified coach or something like that through the Tony Robbins organization. And I'm just wondering what that meant. What, what did people get? um, What was coaching? Wow. Did that narrow down? Not enough. How about this? Um, (laughs) Well, let's actually, let's, let's
1: do this. If, If we begin with the idea of why would someone hire a coach? Okay. Is that a good place to start? Uh, As good as place as any, yeah. So why would somebody hire a coach? In the Robbins
0: world, Mm -hmm. we were hired to help people achieve outcomes. Okay, stop. So you were hired by Tony to be a coach? Correct. So somebody would hire a coach because they want to achieve outcomes? Yes. Okay. So somebody who wants to achieve outcomes, could you be more specific about that? Like what sure. Sort of outcome?
1: Um, sometimes the outcomes would be really specific. Like I want to make, you know, $300,000 or more a year. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they would be quite general. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling lost in my life and would like to help find more of a purpose. Uh, the, the, direction of coaching obviously well I shouldn't say obviously but from our perspective is to clarify what those outcomes or outcomes would be that that individual was seeking what the obstacles were that were preventing them from getting them and in ways uh Available to us through the the training we received prior to being uh, hired by Tony's organization, use the tools and techniques of um, of coaching to add additional resources in order for them to find solutions to their the situation they were looking to to solve. Okay. Um, I, as as I I, I was. Um, a coach within the organization for almost 18 years. And during that time um, as, as I I'll use it in the respective, as I gained tenure or um, time in the, in the seat in in the chairs, as as I made reference to earlier, Mm -hmm. the types of clients I got to work with and the challenges they brought were more, sophisticated, they were more um, sometimes business oriented, uh, working with business owners, um, C-level executives, C-suite members, um, and they frequently had to do with business uh, orientations,
0: not always, but frequently. For those of us who don't know C-suite, what's that mean? Um, Like CEO type? Yeah, chief, chief, chief. You chief
1: marketing officer, chief, chief um, technology officer, yep. um, chief operating officer. I think like, I said that.
0: Yeah. yeah the, the COO, CEO, CEO, CEO COO, so,
1: COO yeah. CMO.
0: Yeah. Okay. Cool. So you you basically became you know the big guy. You were like you were the exact you're the top of the heap as Robin's coaches. You were up at the echel, upper, upper upper echelon. The importance. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Um, so did your, did your method of change, coach, coaching change when you were at that level?
1: No, I, I, I had to stop to think because while there were changes, mm-hmm.
0: it had more to do with the content and not the process. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. So tell me about the process. Tell me about the process that you did that was consistent across those different levels. Um, and by the way, was this something that you kind of created for yourself? Because you know you're you're a PhD, right? You have a doctor of education. I did,
1: I, I've got a doctorate of education, so it's an EDD technically.
0: EDD. Okay, it's
1: in applied behavioral studies, which is the how and why people behave the way they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, it. Mm, Well, how do I say this? There is a process that is expected to be followed as a Robbins coach. Okay, good. And as you become comfortable with that process, it's pretty much a seven step. And you're probably going to ask, what are those seven steps? And as I got more tenured, I didn't pay that much attention to the seven <laughs> steps. So I'm not going to be able to answer what are they <laughs> not too clearly, but, uh, they, they have to do with, you know, gaining rapport, um, mm-hmm. has to do with identifying an outcome in specific terms has to do with getting leverage has to do with identifying, um, um, r- 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 possibilities for solutions, um, I don't know where we are in terms of numbers. <laughs> how close I am to getting all um, 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 seven conditioning to the conditioning the new responses, and then the final piece is both a, a a future pace as well as tests for ecology to make sure that there aren't other factors, environmental factors mm-hmm. that might uh, trip them up. Or, or or create challenges in being able to uh, continue using those new solutions.
0: Excellent. And that's that process did it include interrupting a pattern? was that Oh, if I didn't mention that, yes, yeah. I seem to remember those things. Cool, that's interesting. So that was really the the process that you did, no matter what, and basically whether the person was coming in for like, I want to earn $300,000 or I just want to find some, my way through life somehow I'm confused or if it's a C-suite. Absolutely. To be their guy. Yeah. yeah. It, it,
1: it would be in and, and, and my, my joking a moment ago about not paying that close of attention mm-hmm. um, to the seven steps more in respect to the sequencing and following those steps yeah they in my mind in my experience of coaching most coaches are going to follow those seven steps
0: mm-hmm.
1: in their own way and in their own manner and that's the way it should be um so i got pretty loose in the manner in which i would touch and make sure each of those seven steps were uh, completed mm-hmm. and uh, and and didn't follow any kind of sequence gotcha
0: and, so it became sort of more organic and organic yes yeah. gotcha cool interesting so um just for the sake of our listeners' education um edification um you are actually retired now from the robbins world
1: that is correct Doug I retired as of the end of 2020. And uh, it's it's kind of nice, uh, <laughs> you know the the uh, the freedom that I now feel, as well as uh, I, I was laughing with you just a few moments before we started recording. It is like I I literally feel like I've been as busy, if not more so, than when I was working. So, huh. I, if you were to ask me doing what, it's like <laughs> other than reorganizing my office. I don't really
0: know. It, well, it sounds like that was a pretty big project of reorganizing. got rid of everything there and yeah. just cleaned it, it out and put new stuff in.
1: It, it It's altogether different, yes. Yeah,
0: that's pretty big. So um, the reason I brought that up for the education of our listeners is so that um, they know. One of the reasons I'm having you back here is because there is stuff that you really didn't feel like you could say while you were still working for Tony Robbins. Um, so now that you're free... <laughs> those restrictions of you know you can't say that because uh, um what do we what do we get to know now bill that um you couldn't uh, tell us before what what's some of the inside dirt um or
1: <laughs> you know on, one, what it,
0: spill it spill it what, one of the pieces i'll,
1: I'll <laughs> share this one of the pieces in in my exit interview if you will is um uh, me sharing with the the powers that be Altogether, I worked with Tony and his organization for 30 years, Doug. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, there were some difficult times. I think that exists. and, And it's not a result of any specific disagreement or any challenges I had. It's more of a looking back at those 30 years, and it was a wonderful ride. Mm. I thoroughly enjoyed working with that organization and and representing Tony uh, in the work that I got to do. We made, we, I was in positions in those years of being able to really have a wonderful impact on literally thousands of people. And that's what life is about for me, mm. you know? Um, If I didn't share it previously, my personal mission is to have as much fun possible helping make dreams come true. And that was what I was tasked to do. How do you help people make their dreams come true? Woo. I got to do that every day. Hmm. So it was a wonderful ride. Um, As time went on and as my um, proximity to retirement and retirement age and, and viability financially viability uh, within retirement became closer and closer. Um, I, I yearned for more freedom and that to me is what being retired has, has given me not, not that I was bound or um, had golden handcuffs or anything Mm -hmm. of that sort, but it it it's now free to do what I wish and how I choose to spend my time.
0: Yes, oh, that's good. It's good. So yeah, it's beautiful. It's it's a it's a nice mission statement. When did you come up with that? Oh my god,
1: fifteen years ago, I suspect. Um, thank you. Uh, it it served me really well. It mm-hmm. uh, it's on my business card. It's. What When I start off with to have as much fun as possible, it it always brings a smile to my face and whoever I'm sharing it with. Um, It it feels good. It really does describe what I see my life's purpose has been, whether it's as a husband or as a father or a friend
0: or a coach. It's Mm. to help make dreams come true. Well, you know, what's really interesting to me about that is that um, in my work you know, doing the slide of mouth that I learned from Robert Diltz yes. is that um, one of the things, I, I learned it concurrently, so I'm not sure if it's specifically attached to it or not, but Robert Diltz has these logical levels of stuff. So at the... Um, what I usually teach is there's environment at the lowest level, then behaviors at the next level, capabilities after that, values and beliefs after that, and then finally the identity. But don't mm-hmm. went further than identity being the top logical level. He went to mission. Being <gasps> a, so I'm curious, did you consciously set out to create that mission? And question number two is um, because it has been such a guiding light for you and you know that's what missions do, it's, it's in all sorts of different contexts. Is that part of your coaching? Do you and and do you get other people to create a mission for themselves? Is that part of your coaching process?
1: Um boy, those two different questions. Second Mm -hmm. one, the the answer to the second question is no, not necessarily. Does Mm -hmm. it become a part of my coaching process? If the person is approaching coaching like the one I mentioned, I don't know what my purpose is, absolutely that becomes Mm -hmm. a piece of it. Right,
0: Right. If
1: it's more uh, achieving a tactical type of, or, or even a strategical outcome, not necessarily okay. does mission statement, purpose statement have relevance to it. How I got that, or the process, it, the, the first question you ask, absolutely, it was very intentional. I have a memory of sitting in the basement of a friend's house. He and another friend of mine, both of them very skilled facilitators, with the express purpose of helping Bill identify his mission statement. And we spent an entire afternoon with a flip chart and went through an entire chart of identifying what words um, create a sense of emotion, what, what outcomes do I really cherish getting to be a part of and in what ways do all of those start to blend together it was a beautiful process sounds amazing it occurred uh, my my best guess would be 15 years or more ago Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. and it's followed me through different cycles of my life I guess
0: yeah wow very cool do you know if, if that's part of Tony's um, date with destiny? It's been so long since I've done that. I've, I've it is, uh, yes, it is. Uh, uh, finding
1: a mission statement, purpose statement, um, and he will use those terms interchangeably, mm-hmm. is a significant part of the program date with destiny. Um, and uh, in my opinion, a, uh, as it relates to that particular program, a very very valuable piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it, how would you be able to know what your destiny is if you don't
0: have a clue of what your mission needs to be or mm. whatever? Yeah. yeah. But you didn't go through date with destiny in order to find your mission statement. That was a different process. You did it in someone's basement with their their guidance. Correct. Um, I'm I'm trying to
1: put the pieces together. I attended my first date with Destiny. I believe it was in 1990 Hmm. and still have the notes from that. that I I do. (laughs) I I review them periodically as well as subsequent events that I've attended in that same program. Uh, The... The mission statement I've shared with you is not what came up for me at that program. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't as that, that, that mission statement. I'm not even going to be able to recall what it was, but that mission statement wasn't as um, encompassing, wasn't as fulfilling mm-hmm. as I feel this one now is and how it serves me now.
0: Wow. So interesting that you still have the notes from 1990 and that you refer to them. I probably have them, but <laughs> refer to them in a long time. In fact, I've got boxes of Tony Robbins of manuals from you know, 1985 to 1995, I think that I really should do something with those things. They're just sitting out there in the shed. Anyway. Yeah. That, um, that might be something worth
1: taking of it. <laughs> A <laughs> couple of weeks to go through, right?
0: Yeah. No, I've gone through them. I just, it's like, oh, I can't throw this away. <laughs> I've gotten through a, a few of them. A few of them are gone, but um, uh, there's a lot of notes in there. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. So that's so interesting. So when you have done it with other people, um, when you said that sometimes that you do it with people because it seems to be necessary for their thing, does it? Is it a process that you do in a day? Is it a process that you do over a number of weeks? Are coaching clients... Are coaching sessions when you do them you to a certain amount of minutes? Is it a forty-five minute call? Is it how does it work? It, it yeah. Well,
1: um, the way the packages are created are based on um, however many. No, I'll, I'll back up. They're based on three thirty-minute calls in a month, and within Robbins, you buy different packages: three, mm-hmm. six. 12, 18 month packages and now as the coach you have the freedom to be able to use those minutes in ways that you and your client agree I had would have some clients who based on their communication style they're very deliberative and thinking and and, um, like to take their time mm-hmm. and I would make sure to schedule 45 minutes with them for a 30 minute, Part because you're going <laughs> to get done in 45 minutes, what you might normally get done in 30. Right. Um, there was a physician that I had as a client, uh, as I recall, an emergency room physician who, because of his schedule, we would book one-hour sessions every three weeks. And over the period of time, that pretty well, you know, levels out to three mm-hmm. calls, three 30-minute calls in a month. But we had a lot of freedom in how to do that and would be able to work with the client and decide together with them what would how we could use those those minutes in the manner that would best serve them. That's gotcha. Now let's go back to your question. So, if I'm doing a a mission statement, mm-hmm. how would that occur? Would that uh, mm-hmm. would that be something that begins to get created over multiple calls? The answer is yes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I would have them do some research on you know go to Google find find some structure of of mission statements, some samples of mission statements, some idea of what we're wanting to accomplish in the first place. That might be one assignment. The next time it might be um, begin to identify what in your life does bring you excitement and passion, and then discuss in what ways do those manifest themselves. And then As far as what I would refer to as wordsmithing, I would leave that up to that individual Mm -hmm. to take care of in between calls. That certainly not the greatest use of of a coach's time, in my opinion, unless they specifically made that as a request, which
0: very rarely would occur. So, right, is that helpful? Yeah, yeah, it's helpful. So I'm I'm trying to just you know. get some really good insights here because you know this these closed doors of robin's research uh is it called robin's research it isn't anymore is it robin's research international yes is it still yes okay cool um i haven't seen those initials in a long time RRI. anyway so um you know that that coaching method so they 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 teach people how to be a coach so if i wanted to if somebody just wanted to be a coach you could go into that coaching training and you'd learn how to be a coach and then if you pass a certain muster, then they'd say, okay, we want to hire you to do this? Or how does that work? Or do they hire you first that, and then train you? That's, that's got some of the major points
1: to it. Um, they're at a place now to where they are um, able to be extremely selective mm-hmm. in the candidates that they choose. Um, and to give you a clue, we're talking there may be 2,500 to 3,000 applicants Oh. 450 slots oh. that are opened up for a training course from which maybe 25 individuals will be hired out of that training class. So it's a, it, it's an extremely uh, rigorous process that training is divided into three sections. I, the uh, three phases, the first, and, and this was pre COVID. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's, had to be adjusted somewhat. But the first phase was uh, a virtual. And in that, it was um, covering a a significant amount of the Tony material, uh, Tony's programs and, and things of that sort to become familiar with the tools and technologies that he incorporates. The second phase is live and in person and usually is wrapped around one of the weekend programs referred to as unleash the power within mm-hmm. uh, probably back in your days i don't know is it was it mind revolution days mind oh my revolution. god yes you remember that far back to yes it was originally called the mind well, revolution you- you got to remember, my wife Peggy was working with Tony's organization before I even started, and and that's thirty years ago. So yeah, we we have quite a history there. So yeah, yeah. mind so ref,
0: It was uh, called the Mind Revolution, yes, and then it was called the Unlimited Power Weekend.
1: Oh, that's right. Still and, and UPW. Unleash the power. So it kept the UPW exactly. Unleash the power within. Um, the, the second phase is is wrapped around it and involves attending that program. And then a pretty intensive week-long um, live training that is where most of the people um, either make it or don't. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're looking, uh, looking for a variety of different things. Number one, they're... Well, here, all in all, it's about 180 hours worth of training once they've been selected to join the training program, 180 hours worth of training. So that second phase is live and in person. It involves a tremendous amount of of one-on-one um, um, practice, coaching. Um, the third phase then is when they begin to get uh, assigned a few number of clients and have some very rigid mentoring that goes along with serving those few clients. And as soon as that mentor checks them off and saying, yeah, they're good to go, they officially become hired. So that's that's the technical process. Part of the criteria and, and, and as a result of now being able to be so much more selective One of the criteria now is um, familiarity is before you even go in with Tony's tools, it would serve you if you've been coached by either a coach in the Robbins organization or someone who can be verified that you've been in the coaching environment. Mm -hmm. So you've been a client and ideally ICF certified. So they, they aren't looking for rookies. They, they they are bringing in individuals within the organization who, for the most part, already have a significant amount of coaching skills oh. and are just now
0: looking to add the Tony tools and materials yeah. to their bag of tricks. Gotcha. Interesting. I did not know that they were ICF certified, most of the people there. Yes. Are they all? Is that a requirement now that everybody has to, the new hires at least have to be there?
1: i'm I'm hedging on saying whether it's required I know it's a uh, a favorable factor in in your consideration
0: interesting that's really very interesting thank you very much so um gosh it's so interesting because you know we talked I think last time when we talked about how um, the term coaching and the whole field of coaching kind of um, evolved and was created a bit thomas leonard and other people as it came along and then tony robbins at some point or another decided that well i'd like the word coaching more than therapy because it's not therapy and i don't want to you know have that anchor of you know therapy is in if, I'm, if i go to a therapist i must be crazy <laughs> i must be crazy or 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 i just and broken and need fixing that's the sort of therapeutic things that he wanted to avoid that you know stigma right. or whatever um so he just started doing the same exact thing he was doing, but calling it coaching instead of therapies. So we did NLP or NAC coaching situations. And then it just seemed like it just sort of happened that, um, you know, he had this coaching thing, but it's interesting to hear that there's kind of a, you know, a rigor to there that's beyond just, you know. Very much so. Um,
1: yeah. Well, you know, there's within the organization, I, I, don't know that we've mentioned this before Doug there is in the neighborhood of 125 coaches working with Tony and uh, at any one time there. well I I was going to try to give you a number I I believe the active client number is somewhere in the range and it's pretty wide range between 3,500 and and 5,000 people being coached within that Robbins coaching program at any one point in time Wow. It, it's it's a a significant part of the offerings and services from the Robbins right. organization.
0: Interesting. And, How much does it cost?
1: Well, there's two levels of coaching. And I think we did kind of
0: allude to this. I want there's, the money. I want it. Much. <laughs> much I'm sorry? Cost. I said, I want to know the money. How much does <laughs> it cost? How much, the cost? Uh, How much do you get paid? How much do you get paid? I'm oh, just kidding. Uh, yeah, you don't have I'd to talk rather about it. Not share that. <laughs> <laughs> None now. I'm retired. Right? <laughs> <You're already> retired. <laughs> uh, the the um,
1: the two levels of coaching. Um, there's a more advanced, experienced level of coaches who are considered master coaches, and their their prices are. It, it's the only price that I would be able to recall. Um, and, and I'm only going to be re- able to remember one of the the packages, the six-month, one-year, and 18-month packages are offered, and the one-year package is $7,800 if you are a returning client. Now, by the time I would be working with someone, they'd already been um, – Brought into the coaching program by one of the coaching representatives, other words, otherwise known as a coaching salesperson. And uh, so I would get assigned that client based on a number of different criteria. A DISC assessment was always a part of the intake. Knowing what their outcomes were was a part of their intake. That These are things that they did um, prior to even signing up for uh, uh, purchasing their coaching and uh, um, discourse, outcome, and, and availability of coaches. Most of the time of, that I was working there, I had a full deck of clients and uh, very rarely was um, open to new clients, just simply as a result of, you know, the the ongoing relationship with existing clients. They'd come to the end of the program and choose to continue
0: to work with me. So thank you, Bill. That's really, thank you for all that. I know that you can uh, talk about this now because you are retired and no one can no one can fire you at this point. Um, but no, that's really, that's good. Thank you. And it is awesome. Of course, it makes sense that people would want to continue because um, it's it's really valuable. Coaching really works. And when people get started in it, they, they recognize the value and it's really worth every penny. So I can certainly imagine why they would want to continue, especially with some, someone as good as you are at this, not only because oh, of your you. skill, because of your who you are. Well, my skill that. did
1: have something to do with it well, too. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: But oh, okay, oh. 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 <laughs> just
1: just checking to make oh. sure we got that clarified.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm a great guy and and yes, highly highly skilled, incredibly trained, experienced. Been in the seat for years. But seriously, now, folks. Um, yeah, of course. So that skill set. So we we've talked about this before. We talked about this. This is the essential coaching skills podcast. Yes. So um, speaking of skills. What are what do you th- think is really essential if somebody to wants to be not just good at coaching but somebody who really can get to the heart of the matter find out like, what specifically because the disc is interesting do you did you as the coach find a lot of value in that disc assess- assessment when people went through that or was this just kind of a formality? Um,
1: yes, it, I I find it quite valuable. Yeah.
0: Um, now, honestly, though, could, could you just, I, for the sake of people that don't know what you're talking about, what does D, um, just is C- a, a um, um, an
1: assessment, a personality assessment, and it measures four different um, areas of of behavior, and they have to do with directiveness or um, uh, dominance is the D, I stands for influence, the, ability, the social nature. The C has to do with um, um, stability and the environment, the, the, uh, um, the degree to which they like a stable environment. And the C has to do with um, conventions. And I usually think of that as structure the more highly structured, the higher the C score would be. And I, I don't know if this is true for all DISC assessments. The ones we used not only gave us assessments in, in those four areas, but it also gave us feedback on, they, they called it values, and I don't know if values is the term I would necessarily use to describe it, but uh, seven or eight other criteria that for me the disc gives me information about what that person's behavior is like and this other values assessment tells me more about why they behave that way mm. which quite as you can imagine with someone with the background i've got applied behavioral studies the how and why people behave the, the way they do. I'm much more concerned and interested in why they behave the way they do, so much as the behavior itself. That's pretty mm-hmm. easily recognized. Right. So um, I would say that second piece, the values piece, is where I would put more attention. And it would give me information more along the lines of does this person like to be in control of situations? Are they someone who needs to get a yeah. A significant amount of return for their investment of time or money? Are they uh, um, altruistic? To what degree does that drive their behavior? So, a, a variety of
0: different values on, along those scales mm-hmm. that I found extremely valuable. Okay, cool. So, would you consider that to be essential? In other words, if a person such as myself, let's say I have a coaching practice, so if I needed, if I wanted to up my game, and have a better, do better at coaching? Should I, should I start to incorporate the DISC and the values assessments as introductory tools? I I don't know that I would go so far to call it essential.
1: And I say that because of two factors. Number one is, um, if, if, if someone like yourself is really observant about people's behavior, those are things that you would be able to be picking up Mm -hmm. in their description. It may take a little longer. So time efficiency is the second element or factor. I think it gives me information in a much quicker manner that would otherwise take me a bit longer to collect on my own. But most people who are or who are, ha, have an experience in some personal relationships area like coaching or therapy or um, pretty much even being a really good friend of sorts, is going to be observant enough to be able to pick some of these things up, given the amount of uh, enough time mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. be able to recognize them. So, so I, don't, I don't think of it as essential, valuable, but not essential.
0: OK, good, good, good. Yeah, I'm assuming that um, f- for me, as an example, with um, the essential coaching skills that I think are essential. I was teaching an NLP class recently online um, where I was teaching the meta model from NLP. And to me, sure. that is essential. I mean, to be able to I ask agree. good questions, to be able to ask focused questions that that get details and you know specifics out of a person we you know of, that have been deleted or distorted or generalized we we retrieve that information and we get very very clear because of the ability to ask those questions um and i also think that those kinds of abilities those ability to ask those questions often get the kind of information that you're talking about from the the disk and from the values of the station, et station etc um but i can certainly appreciate that the uh the time factor is one. So if I if I can sit down with a coach that I've never met before and a coach client that I've never met before and have in front of me these assessments they've already spent the time doing and it gives me this list of these, oh, that's an interesting value. So hmm, I can expect this kind of behavior from that sort of value. It's It, it would be a good cost. I mean, a good uh, time saving.
1: Time saver. It does indeed.
0: Yes. Hmm. Cool. Interesting. So I'm assuming that all the Robin's Coaches have to learn how to that that's a part of that hundred and eighty hours, yes. Right, right, right. Interesting. Interesting. Thank you. I, I know some other coach organizations that also have those kinds of assessments involved in, in the preliminary. Some other people have been on this this podcast who have um as part of their preliminary intakes go through, have the clients go through those kind of mm-hmm. kind of assessments, forms, et cetera. It's useful. I go through one with my clients that I got from um, Thomas Leonard. Thomas Leonard, I don't know if you know much about him, but he was an amazing person. And that, God, he just put out so much stuff in such a short period of time that's still really valuable. And unfortunately, he passed away way too young. So it, it's that, that, that fount of stuff stopped. <laughs> but uh, I still use one called the, uh, the clean sweep process, which is basically. You never of, heard of it. Yeah. I'll, I'll send you a sample um it's it's four it's a, it's four categories of of information about a person so they have twenty five questions within each four categories um, one category as an example is relationships there's another category about you know money and you know other things so within these these it's a very simple thing like do you save money every month you know do you put a, you know do you pay your bills on time just twenty five questions in each category and it's really good because A lot of times, people are really great in one or two or three categories, but rarely are they great in all four. And this kind of gives us this element of recognizing that, wow, I've got a kind of blind spot here, don't I, in the relationship factor? I have a kind of blind spot, don't I, in this personal health kind of factor. Right, right. Brings it up. Great. I'll look into that. Um, Clean sweep. Thank you. Yeah, it's really, very good. So I'm just a big fan of assessments. If you can, if you can get hold of some that are useful for you, that give you useful information. It can be definitely a good time saver. And also if you get a little, um, I don't know, stuck in your coaching at some point, you go like, Hey, you know, I've been meaning to talk to you about this factor. (laughs) (laughs) How does that manifest in your life? Let's talk about that, shall we? And it's, it's a good way to, you know, keep the conversation going. Sure. Yeah. It's like, you know, How long did it take you to clean out your office, Bill? Did you have to wait till you retired to clean out the office so much? (laughs) Before we started the conversation, those of you who weren't here, um, (laughs) when Bill retired, um, he's cleaned out his entire office, thrown away everything, scrubbed it down from floor to ceiling and replaced all the furniture with brand new furniture. And it's a complete clean sweep, you might say. See what I did there with a the clean sweep thing? There? I, I got that. I, I did. <laughs> I picked that up, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so with the, with the mission statement of yours of having as much fun as you can helping people's dreams come true, um, when it comes to coaching and that mission statement, do you think that coaching was the ideal profession for you to be able to manifest that, wow. that uh, mission statement?
1: Wow. That's a great question. Um, it, it seems to have been for me. Hmm. Uh, um, you know, I, I was laughing about this recently um as I was going through some of those files that I just recently (laughs) cleared out, I ran across something that I had uh, was required to put together prior to uh, being accepted in my doctoral program. And that was what my career aspiration was going to be. And I had this dream of being a Uh, a a nationally sought after therapist and public speaker. And uh, as I was, that's one of the pieces in it. And as I was looking through there, the realization that I had an opportunity to go that therapist route. That was my first professional job. You know, an office complete with a couch and the whole works. Oh, you had a couch? I did. Now, oh. I, I didn't have people lay on it, but I, you know, but I had one. Um, and and Doug, I would describe that. I, I would go home and it felt like people had come in and thrown up on me all day long.
0: Oh.
1: And so I, I'm, I'm bringing that in now to where to say that that role as a therapist didn't didn't serve me, didn't serve me well, at least not the way I was doing it at that time, Mm -hmm. didn't serve me well at all. And the beauty in, in my mind, the beauty of coaching, and especially within that Robbins model, is it is very much outcome focused. And so if somebody gets started on one of those throw up tales, you know, of how my mother treated me, blah, 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 it's like, I, you know, I I had the um, prerogative to stop them and say, you know what? As far as coaching goes, that doesn't count, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and and it so yeah, I, I guess it really is the ideal profession for me to be able
0: to uh, fulfill uh, that purpose statement. Right. Cool. Can do you have any specific stories like that? It sounded like you're on the verge of telling us a story about when somebody did that once with you in a coaching session, and just said, "Hey, oh, stop, time out, excuse me, pardon, pardon me." Um, I, I have lots, but I mean,
1: I I don't want to throw up on you or or the listeners here either. <laughs> I
0: appreciate that. Uh, but uh,
1: yeah, it, it, that. Well, I I I think I'd say it this way. Folks who aren't used to being coached
0: mm-hmm.
1: will, will frequently approach it as if they're in therapy. Right. And they right. want to tell right. me their entire history. Right. Right. How and do you handle that? Yeah. I don't I, I, I'll, I'll ask specifically what I may want to know. So don't just go giving me the entire nuts and bolts story here. Interesting.
0: So, do you um have any difficulty maintaining rapport when you say, "Oh, hey, stop talking <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> just to answer my question <laughs> i am going to respond with that with that first part of that statement
1: to have as much fun possible if I can make it playful, absolutely not. you know mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. able to maintain rapport is is is, is as, as as you know. A critical element, right. or if I lose it by being too abrasive in in that stop sign right. I put up, right. then that's the first task to make sure it's reestablished. Right, but right. right, of course. That no, is, it it, and, and maybe as as it, well, certainly as you know me, you know, laughter and fun and teasing and joking is is a part of who I am. Yeah. So. That would be the typical manner in which
0: I'd get people to stop. In a Joking, teasing kind of way, but maintaining rapport throughout. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's really safe to say that maintaining rapport is an essential coaching skill. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If we were to stop and say, of all the essential coaching skills, that is clearly, I think, number one. I don't know if you'd agree. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed excellent oh this is very 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 useful thank you bill and and happy retirement to you I, I know it's a big change but do you think that you would still do coaching privately now that you've you know officially retired from robbins are you still holding out a shingle but not shingle for a-
1: i i am i i've kept my website active my personal website active How is that again um, www.lead, so L-E-A-D hyphen
0: on, O-N.com. Lead dash on. Lead on. Lead on. So you do, you still do private coaching. But I do. Not, I private. do. Okay, cool. Do you charge a lot more now that you're, Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> more than I got paid from, from the Robbins
1: organization, but, uh. You know, and and yeah, just a a fun story. If you have a few moments, yeah, yeah. I've got a a daughter, twenty seven years old, Mm. and um, she was kind of initially going down the uh, initial career path you pursued, um, pursuing. She's got a degree in musical theater and music and playing the piano and singing and all of that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, you know, the two of you have quite well, a bit in common in that respect. the singing
0: part, but yeah, go ahead.
1: And, and she has, over the last two years, decided rather, in, in fact, made the decision the day that she had opening night in her first starring role, that rather than being an actor, she wanted to serve folks in the performing field as a coach. Oh. And hope she uh, finished the performance before oh she did yes <laughs> the entire run yeah i don't want to yeah. do this you know i've changed my mind <laughs> uh, And in the the I, I don't know where we got started with this but the the conversation in in respect to the difference of charging the 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 Working within an organization, which is what she's doing—not mm-hmm. the Robbins organization, but a, a, a high-tech firm—and is offering them and their employees her coaching services. Okay. And the realization that within an organization, you don't have the same cost of marketing and right. and billing and all of the other features that are uh, involved in in your private business, personal business, and therefore are able to charge considerably less as a result of not having to bear those expenses. Um, I, I am not actively going out and seeking new clients. If someone were interested and reaches out to me, I am more than willing to discuss with them, see if it's something that it would be a good fit mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, a realization that now I get to do my own billing to whatever extent I choose to uh, keep up my website. That's now cost. I bear. So yeah, I charge more now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that is actually a really good point. And, and we are getting close to time. So maybe I'll have you back for part three at some point, but um Oh my goodness! I don't know. <laughs> Can I take you again? <laughs> I'll buy you a beer. Okay, <laughs> I'm cheap. Um, but seriously, the idea that when when we are self employed, we have a lot more um, hats to wear than than we are if we're in an organization where you drive to work and you get there at nine and work to five and then go home. You know, whether it's being a driving of course, nobody drives at this point in time. But you know, metaphorically speaking, you go to the office, you do your job, you come home, you're done. Um, when you're an entrepreneur, when you're self-employed, it is not the case. You know, you, you work a lot, and you know who who does the billing? You do. Who does the advertising? You do. Who does the you know? It's all you. And so there are a lot That's of right. different hats to wear, and one needs to be good at marketing. One needs to be good at the billing and creating the websites and you know whatever. whatever. It's it's not just be a good coach so and there China. is yeah there is a lot more to this all than uh just the a lot of ancillary in- skills that are are required ancillary. good that's word. True. good word yeah absolutely yeah that's why you have the p the e, e D, D. that's right D. 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 yeah the ddd ddd do you suffer yes doctor D. of education e. D. 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 good All right. Well, I'm going to let you go. Thank you very much. Bill Baker. So lead on lead hyphen on dot lead hyphen on dot com.
1: And an email address is just real simple. Bill Baker at lead dash on dot com. Very nice. Thank you, Bill Baker. You're welcome. Enjoyed it.
0: This has been the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hope to see you again real soon. Come back next week when we have another gripping and exciting episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And if you want to, you can find out more about us, each and every one of us, at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. Thanks.